0: your championship listen to this crowd Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond here's Grant McCauley Hello again and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley and it's time for our weekly chat about what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. And gosh, we've got a lot of headlines to get into, a lot of injuries we're going to have to discuss on this episode of the show. Not my favorite topic, but it is what it is right now. However, despite all those injuries, the Braves are hanging in there in a very tight National League race. I'm going to have Corey McCartney on to talk with me about the things going on with the Atlanta Braves, some injury updates you need to hear about mike soroka and of course ronald acuna jr who missed a couple of games on the recent road trip getting him back atop the lineup is something the braves are looking forward to as they open up a three-game weekend series against the arizona diamondbacks before we get into today's show though i want to remind you you can subscribe to from the diamond on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and stitcher leave those ratings and reviews if you'd be so nice as to tell a friend that goes a long way to help the show as well you can connect with the show on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore. You can find Corey McCartney at Corey J. McCartney on Twitter. You can find the show on Instagram at From the Diamond with no underscore. And I'm also on Instagram at Grant McCauley is where you can find me there. And if you want to catch every episode of the show, all the videos, articles, and other stuff I'm doing, FromTheDiamond.com is the place to do all of that. So to help me talk about the week that was for the Atlanta Braves and perhaps the trajectory of the club moving forward past this week, I want to welcome Corey McCartney into the show. He, of course, is the author of Tales from the Atlanta Braves Dugout. Corey also writes for Talking Chops, been covering the Braves for a number of years. Good friend of mine. So therefore, good friend of the show. Corey, how you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm great, Grant. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. Looking forward to chatting a little bit of Braves with you. We got to do this a few weeks ago, so I figured it'd be fun to jump back in and, dare I say, mix it up here in the third week of April.
1: Yeah, you know, and we actually get to talk about things that happen instead of previewing. And as we (laughs) talked about the last time, it becomes a point where you just are tired of talking about what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. We have actual tangible results. Now, whether or not fans are thrilled about all of them, well, we'll get into that here on the show. But I, I agree with you. It's nice to be out of preview mode and into, I guess, analysis mode. So let's jump into it here because the Braves, I would say, more than anything over the first three weeks have been tested and they have been tested by the injury bug which i think you me and anybody that's watched baseball for any length of time knows that injuries can change even the best laid plans and the best constructed rosters and the Braves are having to deal with that right now with the first three weeks you got max free on the injured list as he strained a hamstring run in the basis which is not what anybody wanted mike Soroka suffered a setback in his rehab from the achilles now he's got a shoulder thing drew smiley's down for a stint on the il though we don't believe that's going to be altogether long Chris Martin's shoulder has him out in the bullpen. That's a big deal. And then it stretches into the lineup with Ronald Acuna Jr. with a mild abdominal strain. Ozzy Albies hit by a pitch. Christian Pache has strained a groin. Andrew Enciarte has pulled a hamstring. I guess you know where I'm going here is it's been a bit of a struggle, a rough go for the Braves early on. But like I said, Corey, we knew over the course of 162, injuries are going to happen i just don't know if you could have expected this many to happen in this short of a time for the braves
1: yeah i don't think you expected it to be you know quite the onslaught of them and i think you know obviously you knew mike Soroka was not going to be able to pitch potentially in april yeah. but to know that three-fifths of the starters that were going to be the optimum version of this rotation are currently unavailable I mean that's that's an issue. And yeah. you think about the outfield and you know having to, to basically scrape the bottom of the barrel of the depth bucket. I mean this is this is not what anyone anticipated. But on the flip side of it though, you can look at a team that after they played on Wednesday against the Yankees, no one had hit more home runs and they were just one of three national league teams that was yep. hitting above league average. So they it's been a you could say I don't say mixed bag, but sure. it's been overcoming a number of injuries that nobody would have expected this many this fast and they, they're still hanging right in there as much as you want to say hanging right in there uh, on april
0: 23rd really all you want to do i think early on is find a way to survive these kind of injuries and avoid any long losing streaks that dig you into a giant hole and we'll talk about the national league east as a whole but heading into the weekend as the braves return home to open up a series with the arizona diamondbacks the best clubs plural In the national league east are 500 clubs so the braves they're one game out of first place and if you think about one alec bohm slide or one replay review here or there perhaps the braves would be at 500 and have a share of first place right now but either way injuries i think are the headline for this club right now and you brought up mike soroka of course we talked about all of the injuries in the pitching staff but we knew heading into the season that he was not going to be back immediately we thought mid-april then we thought maybe late april then of course he had the setback with his shoulder And now it seems like that timetable really is just not in play right now. And Brian Snitker talked about this recently during the Yankees series. I know you were in on that Zoom conference. I had a chance to listen to Snit's comments. And I think he just had to make it pretty clear look, we can't plan around Mike Soroka right now. So read into that what you want. Corey, what did you make of Brian Snitker's comments on the availability of Mike Soroka and just when that may actually happen? And they have Soroka available.
1: Yeah, I mean, I tweeted it out immediately after he said it that, you know, he was asked about whether or not Soroka is thrown yet because we were at the timetable of a two week shutdown for yeah. him to get started to get ramped back up. And he said he's so far away right now, it's not even relevant. Mm-hmm. I, I think people jumped on that to mean that it's not relevant in terms of talking about him coming back. I think he meant that in terms of it's not relevant right now to talk about where he's at. In yeah. his progress of throwing, I think those are two different things, right? Sure. I think it's not even relevant. Meaning, go ahead and wait till twenty twenty two before you see this guy, right. or there's it's not relevant in terms of okay, we need our our staff to feel like he's able to start mm-hmm. taking on a workload again. I think those are very different sentiments, and yeah. I think you know I don't think anyone's anticipating you're not going to see Mike Soroka before the All Star break. I do wonder, though, and, and I've tried not to focus too much on this. This has been a reoccurring issue with him, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you think back to his first season when he first got it, you know, his first taste of the majors, he ends up getting shut down at the end of that year. Uh, you know, the next year he's delayed in spring training by the same ailment of his mm-hmm. shoulder inflammation, and now here we are talking about it a third time. So whether it was a compensation thing, you know, was he battled back from Achilles, I don't. we don't know. Mm-hmm. But this is the third time we've had – the words Mike Soroka and shoulder inflammation being used together. So I think from that end, I kind of wonder if this is going to continue to be something for him. Um, but certainly at this point, it's it's the biggest thing holding him back from being a contributing member of this rotation in 21.
0: Yeah. That's the setback right now that he's dealing with. I think he worked very hard to get himself ready when it came to overcoming the Achilles and trying to check all the boxes in that rehab. But you knew that it was possible that once he really got out there and started, going at the rate in which he would even if he's not worried about the leg and the leg's 100% healed that he has had quite a lengthy layoff when it comes to throwing on a regular schedule and starting every fifth day and all the rigors that come with that but uh, going back to Brian Snitker's comments I really feel like it was not necessarily wanting to comment on Mike Soroka every five six seven days until there's really something to comment on so more than anything i just thought he said look we've got who we've got right now we'd love to have mike soroka i think that was implicit in the comments but he's just not a factor for us right now we're just not thinking about it and therefore he's not relevant so if you heard the inflection of the comments i think you come away thinking all right well there's nothing really to report on mike soroka he's not close if you read it just in text form it seemed a little bit more doom and gloom i guess was the way it looked because i know i saw people on twitter that were kind of saying right, are are we just asking ourselves if we're even going to see mike soroka again this year I don't think that it was fair to to jump to that conclusion just yet. But, yeah, he has had a number of different maladies that you wonder. The style of the shoulder injuries all seem to be a little bit different. I don't know as much about this one as the one he had in spring of 2019 that seemed to be a workout-related thing and not really a throwing-related thing. And then, of course, the Achilles injury is a a freak thing. So that may have just caused uh, just overall a lot of different stress on the body as he rehabs and then ramps back up in full to start pitching every fifth day. So I'm still planning to see plenty of Mike Soroka. I hope this year and in the future as well. But it has been a little bit concerning to see him slow down by this. And you never love seeing a shoulder injury listed next to a pitcher. It just kind of gives you an uneasy feeling. And you certainly don't want to see it happening year over year or time after time.
1: Yeah, and if you're Brian Snicker, and you know during that conversation when he made those comments, you're already talking about, when are we going to see Drew Smiley? What's going on with Max? Free? Yeah. I don't say it's enough is enough, but you've got a lot that you're juggling mm-hmm. here in terms of figuring out when is this thing going to look anything like I thought it was supposed to right. in terms of the makeup of my rotation. Yeah. So I obviously like you read into it a little bit differently. And I, you know, I, after I tweeted it, I told you before we started recording, I had to go back and watch the video just to make sure mm-hmm. I didn't write it wrong because I think the way people took to it, uh, you wonder sometimes if you did not the quotes uh, and the comments justice
0: yeah you got a little bit Twitter famous there for a minute but I don't think it was a bad thing necessarily <laughs> in this case and it was just relaying the news and once everybody had a chance to really step back parse through it maybe read the full comments and articles or hear it for themselves on the Braves broadcast things of that nature I think it probably made a little bit more sense in context but we of course know that Mike Soroka is not walking through that door a week from now two weeks from now whatever it may be I've said time and time again here on the show that i feel like at this point when you get into late april with mike soroka even before brian snitker spoke this week i think you have to ramp him up slowly and actually send him out to the minor leagues on a full rehab assignment where he's going to get four maybe five starts before you see him again so are we talking about june here yeah i think that's a pretty realistic timetable at this point even if the braves don't want to put one on it right now and of course i don't make these decisions if things go well and mike soroka can resume throwing in the not too distant future. Minor league baseball season starts in just a couple of weeks. I would expect to see Soroka make quite a few minor league starts before the Braves bring him up and insert him back into the rotation. Because at this point, that's where we are. This is not an extended spring training thing, and this isn't one of those have him throw a number of bullpen sessions on the side and then activate him from the injured list. He's just been down for too long, and I think you owe it to yourself at this point if you're the Braves and Mike Soroka to do everything to the letter that you can do it to put him in a position to succeed and hopefully not get hurt again.
1: I don't, we obviously don't know how these alternate sites operate in, in totality, right? I mean, we have sure. an idea of what it is. I think, you know, it's a much more enticing thing to have him actually facing another team, right? Yes. As opposed to just yeah. having him go through the, you know, his normal, Sim you know, games. all right, you get your rest, you and go out there and, and pitch every few days as opposed to, yeah, going through the, the rigors of a game and a team that's trying to adjust to you and you having to adjust. I think there's just elements of that, that he's obviously not gotten and you're not going to get that by going against guys who are part of the same organization as you, that you're facing every couple of days. So I know no one wants him to be gone until June, but I, I completely agree with you. I think getting him through the rigors a little bit, if you will, yeah. uh, of going through a normal rotation uh, spots or, or what needs to happen.
0: And Mike's a competitor too. I think that'll kind of get his juices flowing a little bit. You saw against the Red Sox, just in closing out that game to in spring training. And it was such a high note and it had everybody feeling so great about, all right, Mike Soroka is taking that step. He's right around the corner we're going to get this guy back who has a chance to be the real difference maker if not perhaps one of the anchors of this rotation and now you just have to wait a little bit longer but again as much as it might be tantalizing for fans to think about i want him back sooner or to be uh, upset about the fact that he's not here and want to maybe push it a little bit hopefully this is something the braves they take their time with you just want to get it right when it comes to injuries and these kinds of things and uh, we'll see if mike soroka's body is able to just readjust i think that's a big part of this too and i know we've talked about it quite a bit with the achilles and trusting the leg and you know feeling like you can go out and compete without that in the back of your mind but there were going to be i think some other physical tests that were going to crop up and mike sirocco is going to have to pass those before he can rejoin the atlanta rotation two guys that are closer though at least i would think to joining the atlanta rotation of course is drew smiley who is slated to make a start against arizona this weekend and you would hope that max freed and his hamstring will be available at some point in the not too distant future, but I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. At no point this season did the Braves want to find themselves in the boat called 2020, which was missing 60% or more of your starting rotation, but that's exactly where they find himself as we sit here on April the 23rd.
1: Yeah, Hoster, you Yanoa know, uh, and Bryce Wilson are both getting starts in a three game series against the Diamondbacks. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, tell- that tells you everything right there, right? And-, and Drew Smiley, obviously, you know, expected back on Saturday. I really wasn't that thrilled with them making this maneuver to bring in Smiley. I think especially when you watch the way that the pitching market kind of evolved and Mm -hmm. you see the guys that were getting less money than Smiley was on a one-year deal. And then what you've gotten from him so far. And I know it's only been, you know, it's been
0: three starts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, But I mean, you're talking about the highest, hardest hit rate, 61.3% of anybody on the entire pitching staff. I mean, and he's given up three home runs in, in 11 innings. So I really wasn't high on this pickup, and then I mean that's the three guys you're pulling out there against the Diamondbacks. I don't think anybody would have again anticipated that, but um, you know I, we'll, we'll see if what they saw. Especially they were they were talked about so much. Anthopolis did about what Smiley was able to do with the curveball when he was with the Giants. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that can become a much more effective weapon for him. But this is a guy who hasn't been uh, you know a real reliable major league starter since he was in Detroit. No doubt. I mean it's been a
0: while. Really at any point in his career has this been a guy who has been a reliable starter. And it's been an injuries thing, but you can be tantalized by the small sample size success of Drew Smiley last year. And I don't think anybody looked at Drew Smiley when he came in and thought, you know what? This guy is going to stay off the injured list for the entirety of the season. I mean he had a he missed a month of twenty twenty with a strained finger. So different kind of stuff I guess can happen, but i don't know that that's the move that i would have opened the winner with but it was one that alexandopoulos and the braves felt very comfortable with love the charlie morton signing big fan of that i feel that's exactly the kind of starter the braves needed and i did say throughout the winter in the hot stove that the braves needed to bring in two starting pitchers minimum to add to this mix even with seeing what bryce wilson did against the dodgers and the nlcs and the strides that Kyle wright made throughout the season last year and even having a Wascari Noah around, I still felt the Braves were missing a couple veterans. And with Mike Soroka also on the mend, I think it was important to bring those guys in, but I'm with you. And in hindsight especially, it's easy to look at that pitching market and say, $11 million for Drew Smiley may not have been the move of the winter.
1: There were 38 one-year deals given to starting pitchers this winter, and the two highest that were not qualifying offers, which was obviously going to be Kevin Gosman and Marcus Stroman, went to Morton and Smiley. It's crazy. The two highest that weren't qualifying offers went to, and I get you, Morton, I, you know, I, I wrote about this on Talking Chop this week, and there's a lot to play out here, but the one-year free agent starting pitching deals that Anthopolis has made have not been home runs to this point. There's a chance that Morton could be that, but I don't, I mean, I was, again, I was down on Smiley when it happened and I, the way the market evolved. I mean, think about J.A. Happ and James Paxton and Robbie Ray, Chris Archer. None of them signed for more than $8.5 million. Right, And then you get Smiley for 11. And obviously, this is all hindsight. You know, we're it's, it's easy now, especially after the start that, that Smiley's had to, to question it, and the way the market evolved. And we know how much Anthopolis loves to be quick to the trigger and kind of set the market as opposed to adapting to it. But, you know, they needed veterans. You're right. I just don't know that one of them was the right one for this team
0: yeah it's interesting to look at that because again hindsight is what it is but with this the Braves have Drew Smiley who's come in and yeah he did end up on the injured list for a minute but I was somebody that thought hey you know James Paxton would be a really nice add for the Braves to kind of balance their rotation out I thought it'd be great to bring in a lefty like that but he's also out for the season already and I thought Trevor Rosenthal might be the answer to the Braves bullpen problem he is probably going to miss all of the 2021 season so you can make some of these deals and they'll immediately get panned, like I imagine the James Paxton deal with for, will for Seattle and that Trevor Rosenthal might for the athletics. But at least it's a wait and see with Smiley where he might actually pitch again this year, should pitch again this year, hopefully should pitch a lot this year. But it's hard to judge those deals before you get to the end of the year. But coming off the Cole Hamels deal, I'm kind of with you on it echoed of maybe paying a bit too much for something, even if you like the upside, the market told you some different things with some of the other guys that you laid out there so let's stick a pin in that for a minute and you know the braves are still trying to figure out when they're going to get some key members of the rotation back of course but chris martin still down in the bullpen just started throwing off flat ground that's been i think frustrating when it comes to the balance of the bullpen for the braves because they've been dealing without their best righty reliever for about 10 days i guess at this point And I'm not going to play the Shane Green card every week, but it's a a tough matchup more than a few times for the Braves with no Chris Martin around and no other real proven high leverage righty available in that bullpen. What do you make of that whole mix and how the Braves might address that?
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think it just kind of seems to get magnified from the fact that, you know, the real anchor of your bullpen, Will Smith hasn't been spectacular either. Right. I mean, I think it just kind of all ties into it, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously not having Martin has been, you know, just to the, to this team's detriment without question. And, um, you know, I think Luke Jackson has his moments. Um, you know, he's obviously, you know, these past few years, you can find spots and times where he's been a really nice weapon to bring out, but he's been largely inconsistent, um, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if the answer is that you really won't have one until somebody shows the rotation up. starts or the rotation starts to come to shape a little bit more mm-hmm. and you can take a guy and you know move him around if if Oscar, you know has been fantastic, but what's that arm play like when you if you can bring him in you know and use him in a in a relief role? What does a Bryce Wilson do? you know, when you can kind of get to your optimum versions of things. But right now, it's just it's just mix and match, and it's just trying to find a, an answer. And I, I hate going back to Shane Green, too, but how is Shane Green still on the market? Because the Braves are not the only team with bullpen right. problems.
0: No doubt. So is the, I don't know what his agents asking, were asking for or how yeah. that whole thing started out, but the fact that the, the phone should be ringing at this point, right?
1: I mean, I, I, the asking price still has to just be exorbitant for somebody to have not made that maneuver. I, I saw he's on cameo and, you know, he's offering his services up. If you have a, a message you'd like to send out for mother's day, but I mean, let's get this guy on a mound somewhere instead of in front of a, a camera sending messages to mom, you know, I mean, yeah. it, certainly the relationships there with the Braves, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense to, to have him back in the group here, but um, I'm stunned that we're talking about it being almost may and he's got to ramp up, right? I mean, even yeah, if you get him, take it's him not like you're going to get him and have him next week. You know, he didn't go to camp with anybody. I mean, it's you're you're talking two, three weeks before you've got him in the mix. So I, I, I'm stunned.
0: Yeah, it's very surprising. There's no two ways about that. And at some point, I would assume Shane Green will resume his big league career. But as of right now, he has not. I think the other thing that is, I guess, in addition to the loss of Chris Martin, which you are going to have to deal with for however long that's going to go on, is the fact that Mark Melanson went out there and was unsigned for a long time, then decided to take a a pretty sweet deal with the Padres I believe three million dollars for this year and all he's doing is leading the major leagues in saves right now and on Thursday night he was just dominant against the Dodgers punching out the side hasn't allowed very much if anything offensively speaking this year three hits and a run no walks ten punch outs and nine appearances seven saves that's the kind of righty reliever I think that would be pretty helpful for the Braves right about now even if he's not doing all the closing for Atlanta so I think, again, hindsight is a tough way to judge a lot of things. And if Mark Melanson wanted to make the decision to go pitch in San Diego because he wanted to be back out in California, I can't blame him for that. But for the Braves, finding somebody who was a capable replacement for Mark Melanson, if it's not named Shane Green or somebody else, that's something that I don't think they were able to mark off that list this winter. And thus, I think you're seeing attacks on the bullpen right now with Martin injured and some of the other guys, all left-handers for the most part really struggling and some of the pieces you brought in like a Nate Jones who got a loss against the Yankees this week I don't think that's who you want to be throwing in the eighth inning in a big game in the Bronx no matter how bad the Yankees are doing at any given time and that just flat out didn't work out so uh, as we move on from the pitching staff there were a couple of other injuries on this road trip and maybe dodging a bullet on a couple of these because Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies were both sidelined for at least a couple of games we'll see what Ronald's doing this weekend how he's feeling of course how he looks if he's able to jump back in the lineup and stay there but you're also without Christian Pache and his replacement, Ender Inciarte, who was actually swinging the bat okay for a few days. He also ended up hurt, and both those guys are on the injured list. So when we talk about the injuries, it's not just, hey, what's wrong with the rotation? Hey, we're missing a guy in the bullpen. Despite all of the best plans to put together a roster that looked very reminiscent of a good 2020 club, the Braves have really had to fight injuries on every possible front.
1: Yeah, don't you hate it for Inciarte? I mean, he you know, looks you know,
0: competent to get yeah. at the
1: plate. I mean, in in 20 plate appearances, I mean, he's hitting, you know, 3% above league average, you know, he's got a 368 OBP. I mean, it, it kind of looks like, okay, he, you know, he had talked this spring about, I, I, I made some adjustments. I found some stuff I was doing wrong. I was getting, you know, a little loose in my swing and, you know, it comes out and looks, looks viable again, you know, and he's available, unavailable, Pache's unavailable, but Guillermo Heredia mm-hmm. is, lightning in a bottle <laughs> let's talk about that moment that he had i mean it's i don't know how long you can ride something like that i mean this is the only you know real viable center field option that they have on the roster right mm-hmm. now and you know, you know until one of those two comes back i mean we've seen ender have this hamstring issue in the past so uh, you know th- those are tr- as as snicker has said i mean those are tricky things it's not really something where you can just kind of put a timetable on a guy they're yeah. like an oblique thing or any other kind of strain where it, you just don't really have like a concrete uh, game plan for somebody getting back on something like that. So um, we'll, we'll see how long you can kind of go with this uh, this odd look in the uh, in the outfield there with a name that nobody knew before the season
0: started. No, if you were drawn out of a hat that two of your three starting outfielders would be A. Ray Adrianza and Guillermo Heredia, I think you would be really worried about what was going on with the Atlanta Braves. But they do have Ronald Acuna Jr. back in the lineup on Friday night. I'm sure they're excited about yep. that. He had the mild abdominal strains, I believe sliding back into first base, maybe aggravated a little bit more in Chicago, sliding in the home plate to score a run. Probably a good thing to go ahead and take him out of the game because you don't want to make anything worse. Gave him a couple of days off in New York, which was sandwiched around a couple of off days. I think that was kind of no pun intended, just what the doctor ordered for Ronald Acuna Jr., who was leading the National League in hitting, leading the National League in home runs. A few other stats you can throw out there that he's leading in in terms of OPS and the like this looks like ronald acuna jr as i mentioned on the show last week just getting better before our very eyes just when you didn't think it was really possible he's really turned it into another gear at the plate he looks like he's taken some serious leaps in development in terms of strike zone discipline and that is turning him into one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball
1: yeah, I mean he's been I mean what can you say? I mean the guy's been fantastic. I, I as I put on Twitter I can report too that on MLB the show twenty one he is equally as dangerous in yes. April. So he had a couple <laughs> home runs with him in the first case with that on um, uh, using him at the plate. But yeah, I mean he's been unbelievable, right? I mean, tied with Mike Trout for the highest war in the game right now at one point six and um I'm not ready to sit here and say he's supplanting Trout or anything. I think we no. need to take that stand back and, and let's enjoy Trout while we can, but Acuna has been everything that you could ask for right now. And, um, know yeah, I think the play discipline, I think, you know, has been maybe the most exemplary part of it. I mean, it, it, that's been always was the thing. Like when you start talking about, okay, are you taking Soto to or mm-hmm. or Acuna? I mean, that was the Soto's play discipline was the one thing that everyone's like, Nope, this is, that's what separates that guy. Nobody, you know, nobody has, it makes a take look better than Juan Soto, but now you've got, you know, Acuna with a, 12 and a half percent walk rate right now yeah. I mean, he's he's uh, it, it's it's elevating his game to a, in a very different way i mean we know with this guy the, the bat's explosive you know he's extremely athletic but that play discipline is just it's is definitely coming along
0: just in case you'd like some silly numbers and i love silly numbers when it comes to ronald acuna jr because i know he's going to post some of them they won't be quite this silly but just humor me for a moment 162 game pace for what ronald did over the first 16 games before finally having to take a seat with that abdominal strain 71 home runs, 162 runs knocked in, 92 walks, only 102 strikeouts, 31 steals. Now, here comes the fun stuff. He's hitting 419. Well, that's probably going to be tough to get there at the end of the year. 486 on base, 887 slugging, on pace for 213 runs, 264 hits, 64 of those doubles, 11 triples, and then, of course, those 71 home runs. So if you're looking for silly video game stats, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s baseball reference page. Can give you a lot of those thus far in 2021. So good to have him back in the lineup. Ozzy Albies jumped back in there in the Yankees series, so he's back as well. He's dropped down in the order a bit. Freddie Freeman bumped back up to the two spot. Marcel Ozuna back up to three. The one other guy that's just not off to a hot start. And again, it's April. We're talking about three weeks of the season, but the Braves gonna need a little bit more out of I think Travis Darno in order for Ozuna to get some protection. And thereby Ozuna to be protecting Freddie Freeman to the level or something close to what he was doing in 2020, even if he doesn't flirt with the triple crown.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting when you think about this that you know catchers are raking right now. I mean they're you know Wilson Contreras, Yadier Molina, Wilson Ramos, Salvador mm-hmm. Perez, J.T. Realmuto. They're all hitting higher than 42 percent above league average. There are ten teams with catchers who have collectively their catchers have OPS of 807 or better, oh. and the Braves are not one of them. The Braves are not one of them. The reigning Silver Slugger is at a paltry 56 weighted run created plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the hard hit rate. It's a more than 21 percent drop year over year. I mean, this, and and you think about the damage that, that Darno did with runners in scoring position last year. He hit 37 percent above league average in those situations. It's it, none of it's happening for him right now. I mean, the, again, that hard hit rate. I mean, he was elite in that regard last year and it's just it's just not there for him to start this season
0: no it hasn't been there for him and it's interesting you bring up the hard hit stuff because if you look overall the braves i think across the board and and all the ways that you want to see an offense collectively averaging or being above the top five to ten teams or in the top five to ten teams in all the hard hit rate stats including barrels the average exit velocity all the things that you look at a baseball savant that you think would indicate that this should be one of the best offenses in baseball plus like you said they're leading the league in home runs a little bit strange to see some of the names on this lineup really not having the kind of seasons that you'd think they would be having if the Braves were going to be holding next level uh, stats in terms of the advanced metrics that you look at for how hard and how frequently the Braves are hitting the ball hard so I guess to stumble all the way through that and to actually make a point here Austin Riley has been this really crazy paradox in all of this because his hard hit rates are down they're as low as they've been in his career however this guy is finding his way on base more times than I think he has in any three four five game stretch of his career without doing something that you always talk about with Austin Riley and that's striking out I sent out this tweet after the Yankees series past 18 plate appearances for Austin Riley so on the road trip five for ten with a homer he hit at Yankee Stadium he had five walks couple of hit batsmen a sack fly but zero strikeouts over the last few games and I just find that to be encouraging if nothing else and I'll really circle his at bat against a roll this Chapman in game one of that Yankee series that might have been the best overall plate appearance I've seen from Austin Riley in just about any situation and I'm not trying to you know become all hyperbolic on it or anything but i've seen him hit plenty of home runs i've seen him hit some very big home runs to help the braves win games but when i look at overall approach austin riley has clearly done something to alter that this year but finding a way to take this approach and put it with the kind of power that he has i think that is the key that's what he's looking for isn't
1: it well think about two years ago i mean he you know obviously explodes in the scene but that year he ends up with a 36 percent strikeout rate and he only walks 5 percent of the time now you're looking at it a 20% K rate and an almost 11% walk rate. Mm-hmm. There's been obviously a change there. You mentioned, you know, just the the inability to hit the ball hard for him right now. I mean, 84% exit velocity, uh, mile per hour. That's so he's in the bottom 9% of the league right now uh, in that regard. And we've watched him kind of go from this period where, you know, his rookie year, he kills fastballs and he can't hit anything off speed. Well, now he's hitting 167 against fastballs, and he's hitting 500 against off-speed. So it's like we've watched this guy try to figure things out along the way, and it's not all come together at the same time. But you always find little pieces that make you think that it's going to come together eventually. It's just this isn't the Orioles, right? I mean, this isn't a situation where you can just sit back and let a guy have a long time to figure it out. So I think he's gone through this process these past three years where it's been an accelerated learning process in people's – the leash is short, but just people are are waiting for him to finally put it all together. I think Mm -hmm. we've we've always seen nuggets of it, but we've not seen Austin Riley really put it together outside of that first few weeks when he was a rookie back in 2019.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. As you look at it now at 24 years old, Austin Riley still coming into the weekend has played 149 career regular season games. That's not a lot. It's less than one full baseball season, clearly dealing with the pandemic. He dealt with an injury, a knee injury back in 2019 that slowed him down a little bit. Uh, but he has made these strides. I felt like he made some last year because he did cut his strikeout rate something like 13%, which was, I believe, yeah. the best improvement by any qualified hitter from you know the previous year into being i guess a qualified hitter last year so it's a pretty big drop that he was able to pull off the ability to swing and miss less i guess if you want to call it that he's continued along those lines this year the walks i just find to be encouraging and i know this may feel like you're kind of like reaching for things and yeah he only has one home run it's his only extra base hit among his 13 hits i don't think he's getting a lot of quality pitches to deal with when you're hitting in front of christian Pache and or andrian or the pitcher you're not exactly getting a lot of protection at the bottom of the braves lineup but i don't know if austin riley continues to grind out at bats like this i have a feeling that at some point that the level of his swing and whatever degree of launch angle that needs to be adjusted slightly not majorly but slightly to perhaps net him some more hard hit balls on a more regular basis this is the approach that i think people are asking for from him but It certainly seems like he's been in the laboratory trying to figure out how it is. He can adjust that swing, and I really have to feel good about at least some of the early trends with that, even if some of the other things make me wonder, where did the power go?
1: I think, though, you look at, there was one question, Mark, you had about this lineup going into the season. I mean, there were two, obviously. Like Is Pache going to be able to to produce offensively, and what do they have in Austin Riley? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think about, Chris Bryant being a free agent after this season and, you know, whatever, wh- whoever else you want to throw into the mix from a third base standpoint. And then you look in, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, you're talking about, you know, his, in, in terms of percentile for the walk rate, he's in the 66th percentile right now. He's in 34th percentile last year, but the hard hit rate on the flip side has done he's 30%
0: yeah.
1: uh, lower. I mean, he's in the 39th percentile one. right now. So I mean, I think he has got to find a way to put it together and give them no question mark about who their future is at their base which i think is a debate that we've been having and it's unfortunate i mean you mentioned how young he is exactly. and how few games in totality he's played but i think when you're one of the final pieces of a potential championship club the deficiencies get magnified that much more yeah and so i think that's why we do this with Austin Riley it's not Austin Riley's fault i mean again if he was playing in baltimore we watch a guy progress and just watch a major leaguer try to find his way mm-hmm. as opposed to saying this is one of the last guys they really need to produce and right now the the big picture it's not there
0: yeah and really when you talk about the only younger pieces of the Braves starting lineup then austin riley are perhaps ozzy albies they're both 24 and then of course ronald acuna jr who's 23 and then when christian Ponce gets in you know he's right around that age as well so it's He's still one of the youngest position players on the team. And with young players, they're not all going to beat Ronald Acuna Jr. Or even Ozzie Albies. And even Ozzie in his first full year had a great half and had a not-so-great half. And he's had some ups and downs and highs and lows throughout the last couple of years as well. But I think that you have to have some kind of patience to find out what you've got. And we're always hearing that debate with Austin Riley. Is he ready? Is he not ready? Should he play through the slumps for development's sake? Or should he get a break? Maybe get sent to the minors. Maybe you try somebody else on the roster but I'm to the point where I just think that he needs to be starting as long as possible or unless you feel like he can't or simply isn't going to be able to justify the at-bats and you have to make some kind of change and maybe that's at the trade deadline I don't know what the answer to that's ultimately going to be but I'd like to see him get a a long uninterrupted run at trying to be this club's third baseman because defensively speaking at least on the eye test can't speak for all the advanced metrics I'm not looking at him right now but Austin Riley's looked pretty good over around third base here in the early going of this season and I'll be interested to see if that, plus his improved approach, and maybe the power that's going to show up at some point, if it's at a shipping delay or some such thing from getting from Northport up to Atlanta for Austin to get the bats he needs for that. We'll see what he's able to do. I want to have one more little debate and then wrap up with a little bit of NL East talk. And when we talk about this Austin Riley debate, I think it's a fair one. It's one that people are going to feel different ways about, especially as you pointed out, Corey, this is a team that has World Series aspirations. But Danceby Swanson has really been scuffling this year. Strikeouts are piling up again. The base hits are few and far between. And we all know he's a streaky player, but I've just started to wonder with all the talk about the Braves needing to find a long term solution at third base, uh, they're kind of going to have to decide the club is on what the future holds for Swanson. He's a free agent after 2022. That's maybe not as an immediate need for the Braves, but it's certainly something that feels like to me is going to be brewing in the background over the next year and a half. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think it was, we talked about this, it, it was hard to figure out how you gauged the last year, you know, obviously 2019, you know, he had the heel contusion and it was like, when is this guy ever going to get back? And, you yeah. know, it was, you were just waiting for him to, to play the totality of a season. Well, we saw that in a 60 game season and he played at a career level. So he answered some questions there, but then it was like, okay, well, what, what who is the real Dancy Swanson? Is it the guy that was a nearly two war player in a short season or was it the guy that, you know, couldn't stay healthy and had never hit, or above league average mm-hmm. in a you know in 162-game season before. So, you know, last year I think that the Bay Bip was undeniable, that that played a part in it. I mean, when you think about a 350 Bay Bip out of him, and it's at 262 now, so you're talking about a below-average yeah. Bay Bip. And, you know, up. he's not barreling the ball the same way that he was a year ago. And I don't know that we still – I mean, I hate to be like this, but I still don't think we know who Dansby Swanson is as a player. I think we know what he – has shown us flashes of, and I th- it, um, it sounds very similar to a conversation that we just have about Austin Riley, but mm-hmm. this is, it all is very different with, with Dansby when you think about a former number one pick, and you know we've, we've always wanted to see what he could do in a full season. We saw it, and we're still questioning it.
0: It's crazy to think. You brought up some interesting stats there when it comes to his batting average on balls put in play. It is down almost 90 points from last year. Also, looking at his home run rate, is down sharply. His strikeout rate's up just a little bit. Walk rate's right about the same it's interesting that his exit velocity is up a couple miles an hour from last year in terms of the average his hard hit percentage is up almost seven almost eight percent from what it was last year but his line drive percentage is down so it's early it's small sample size theater there's a lot of different things we can extrapolate from that that probably won't tell us much 75 plate appearances into the season but he, he hasn't looked the same just yet he hasn't looked comfortable just yet but he's not alone in the braves lineup when it comes to that but I still continue to look at the fact that there's a very large class of free agent shortstops that's going to hit the market. Trevor Story is looming out there as somebody who could hit the market as well if the Rockies don't trade him before he gets there. not saying the Braves are going to trade for Trevor Story tomorrow, but I would say that Trevor Story would make the Atlanta Braves an awfully good baseball team if they did decide to do that. But when it comes to answering the question of who the long-term answer at shortstop is for the Braves, I don't know that you can assume at this point that it's going to be Dansby Swanson beyond 2022. And I guess that is what I'm kind of curious about to see how he is able to set himself up in 2021, heading into his last year of arbitration eligibility.
1: Dansby, to me, I mean, more so than anybody in the clubhouse, when you talk about how much the mental aspect and not getting in your way from a mental standpoint of the game, Dansby's that to a T, right? I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's someone that I imagine has an entire shelf of self-help books and stuff on <laughs> psychology and how, how yeah. you think about winning and how you visualize winning. So, I don't think he – if you were to ask him who was going to be a free agent after this year, I bet he has no idea. I bet he has no idea that Javier Baez and Carlos Correa and Corey Seager and Trevor Story, mm-hmm. that all these guys are going to be free agents after this year. No clue. But would that change? I think there's certainly an aspect of pressure added to him in 21 when you think about the fact that those guys are all available. Yeah. And does the team get in a situation where they have to rethink, is this the guy that's going to be our – our long-term because obviously, you know, Brendan shoemaker is, you can get excited about him. But when you talk about a final piece of a puzzle, and if you could add that, obviously they've invested in Dansby mm-hmm. and he's a big part of this community and all the stuff that he does. But I, I think, I think he's really under a lot of pressure to show that he is I what agree. he was last year and it's not happening right now. Yeah,
0: no, I absolutely agree. And it's just, it's not something to get lost on in the third week or fourth week of April to talk about, you know, what's the future of Atlanta Braves shortstop because Dansby Swanson had 75 lackluster plate appearances but it is something that i feel like used to come up quite often throughout the season from pretty much 2017 on and by the way the most games that dansby's played in the big league season still that 2017 campaign he has missed time Corey, as you mentioned with a couple of injuries but i will say this when it comes to late and close clutch situations the playoffs this is a guy who shows up when the lights are bright one bad base running mistake in the nlcs last year notwithstanding I got no complaints about Dansby Swanson in the big game so that's something he seems to have a knack for I wouldn't call that an intangible because it's very tangible you can read the stats right there on the sheet he's extremely good when the pressure's on but for whatever reason just a very streaky player and therefore somebody that's gonna I guess be the focus of some debate for some period of time but let me wrap up with this the National League East standings coming into the weekend are pretty close through the first three weeks one game separating the top of the division from the bottom of the division only two teams at 500 right now everybody else just a couple of ticks below braves one game out of first place three weeks into april if i told you that back in spring training you'd probably say that's acceptable it's early yeah i'm not going to be worried about the standings at that point but i think as folks watched the braves play the last three weeks they might have felt a little bit different in their stomach on some of those nights but i actually think it's an okay place for the braves to be right now considering all the injuries they're having to deal with and the fact that this team hasn't even come close to hitting its stride, and they have a stride that I think that several teams in the division, at the very least, are not going to be able to keep up with.
1: Well, everybody knew this was going to be the tightest race in baseball, right? Everyone knew okay. from top to bottom this had the opportunity to be the toughest division in the game. I mean, you know, you heard Freeman talk about it. You heard Bryce Harper talk about it. I mean, th- that was the collective thought on this division, and it's living up to it. And the two teams that do one thing better than the rest of the division do are doing so from advanced metrics. I mean, the Braves, again, we talk about the most home runs uh, in the majors right now they're, from an offensive standpoint, they're getting it done. The mm-hmm. Mets and that DeGrom led pitching staff is the third best rotation in baseball right now. So everything kind of, I think what you thought it was going to be, it just it's not necessarily that the top team in this division was going to be 500. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's a little surprising, but um, these guys were going to beat up on each other. I don't, I think that was going to be undeniable. I think what there was four teams in this division that were penciled in to have eighty two and a half or more wins, and that was more than any other division. Yeah. So they were going to beat each other up. It's it's obviously early and it's playing itself out, but I want those Braves and Mets series to happen now. I want to see them match up against them so bad. I can't wait to see uh, when we get to see those teams go out. I think I think that series, those series in particular, the Philly stuff's been fun. You mm-hmm. know, obviously the the Marlins gave the Braves all they could handle, but I, I, those Mets series are going to be a blast.
0: Well, Corey, we'll get to see those two teams, but it's going to be about three more weeks, May 17th. The Braves will host the Mets at Truist Park, and we'll get our first look at the Jacob deGrom-led Mets pitching staff. And, of course, the new-look Mets in terms of that infield. Francisco Lindor, of course, has uh, signed a contract to be there for quite some time. So, I mean, I'm interested to see what the Mets do throughout the course of a season in which they're, you know, really favored to be one of the best teams, and not just in the division, but perhaps in the entire National League got to go out there and get it done over the course of 162 and of course that's what the Braves are trying to do the Phillies are trying to do the Marlins I don't think are necessarily going to go away the Nationals man they have uh, also dealt with a little bit of what the Braves had they've been snake bit on the injury front as well so we'll see how everything plays over the course of all the intra-division play and over the course that 162 game season and I look forward to talking to you about all of that throughout the course of 2021. Corey, I appreciate your time. As always, you can follow him on Twitter at Corey J. McCartney. And of course, pick up your copy of the book, Tales from the Atlanta Braves Dugout. He had an updated edition of that that came out last year, right, Corey? And that's available pretty much wherever books are sold and also, of course, on Amazon.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, go track it down. I hope everybody enjoys it. And Grant, I appreciate you having me on as always.
0: My thanks again to Corey McCartney for making time to join the show. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Corey J. McCartney and pick up that copy of Tales from the Atlanta Braves dugout. As for From the Diamond, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We appreciate your ratings and reviews. You can also connect on social media on Twitter at Grant McCauley's where you can find me at From the Diamond underscores, where you find the show. On Instagram at Grant McCauley and at From the Diamond with no underscore. Is where you find the show and if you're interested in all the episodes of from the diamond as well as videos and articles and interviews and other things from the is where you can find that so we are already closing out the month of april in the major league baseball season the atlanta braves a game out of first place as they head into the weekend against the arizona Diamondbacks. we'll have all the stories and news and insights you need on the next episode of from the diamond coming your way next week My thanks again to Corey McCartney for making the time today, and my thanks again to you for making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen. That'll wrap us up for this week, and I look forward to catching you next time on From the Diamond. So long, everyone.